It was the worst of times. Remember that? Luke chapter 1, verse 30. And we're going to read down to verse 34. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to his son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, says I am a virgin. Lord, I love you. I give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Lord, I know that everything that comes to me comes through your hands. And I bless you for that. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you speak to each heart, each life. Let them, the mind, move through the clutter of the world, the voices that are challenging your will. And they would rest in good soil. I pray that you will be signs and wonders in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Two weeks before the baby is due, where if Jesus were, I remember we were alive right now, and his birthday was December 25th, or two weeks a day before the baby is due. So we, I want us to look back during that time at the sacrifices that, that Christmas represents. It's an amazing time. But think about it. If a woman is going to travel, determine if a woman is safe for a woman and her unborn baby to travel. Right? It depends on some factors. You know, ladies, you know this a lot better than most men. I'm just doing it through what I've read, but women, you know that. Two weeks before your body ready to give birth, it's not a good time to be moving around. Amen? So when you're thinking about traveling factors, even today, you have to ask yourself, how far on is she? And how far are you going? Right? You know, if you're pregnant two weeks, you can travel maybe you know, from here to Pueblo, here to Denver, but you don't want to travel from here to New York. You know, that's a rough ride. My wife, at times, she was pregnant. I mean, she was really pregnant. And I was taking off, and I always took off. And she wanted to go with me to L.A. I would tell her, you're pregnant. You're only, you're only like, a, I think you're like a month away. Like, you're, just like, you're really pregnant. You don't want to go. You always need me, you know. I'm like, yeah, I do. But okay, get in the van. We're in the van. We're in the van. We travel all over the place. So we go to, we go to L.A. and claim back through Central California. If you've never been in there and you drive through the Tuli fog, anybody you guys know what I'm talking about? That, that, that dense Tuli fog in Central California where you can't see nothing. And I remember I'm driving that thing and I could, not, I could barely see from me to come. It was just, and I'm behind. So what I did, I got behind a big old semi truck and I could barely see the lights. It was like, man, I, but it was like, you know, white knuckling all the way down. I just couldn't take it anymore. Like, I got I to gotta pull over. So we're coming back, it's dark at night, it's foggy. And I pulled over into a truck stop. My wife said, what are you doing? I, I got to pull over. You got to keep driving because she was, I, I don't feel good. My back hurt. She was miserable. And I looked at her. I, I thought I'd say, I told you not to come back. I didn't say that. I thought it. I looked at her. I go, Deborah, I, I can't, I, I need a rest. I can't take it. It's just, it's just too, I'm, I'm nerve-wracking. My wife, 
you sissy. I look and I go, I start laughing. I go, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm pulling. I ain't letting that. ain't going to work. I'm pulling in. I, I know. I, I got to drive. So I took about an hour, half, half an hour, hour break just to rest. They got back on the highway and kept driving in. But she was miserable. So how do you plan on traveling? Car, bus, train, airplane, right? And how long will you be away? We're talking about pregnant ladies. Two weeks. Remember, two weeks. According to the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the safest time for a pregnant woman to travel is during the second trimester. Right? And she's usually at that time feeling the best. She's like, especially when you're being taken care of, the natal care, you know, the man, you're like, right? You're feeling you're good. You're healthy. Right? You're all happy. Your baby's growing. And, you know, it's just something about a woman at that time, they're like ready to roll. But then the hormonal change begin to really, really start kicking in because that little body is starting to grow, right? Estrogen and progesterone are the chief pregnancy hormones. A woman will produce more estrogen during one pregnancy than she will throughout her entire life when she's not pregnant. I mean, so your the woman's body is like really changing. So guys, when, you, when your wife's pregnant and they're acting crazy, let them act crazy. They deserve it. They have a right to. Amen. I mean, things are happening. Like, okay, I'm sorry. You just let it go. Be cool. Right. Right. So, not only that, a pregnant woman, entire posture changes. Right? She's gaining weight everywhere. She's gaining weight in places that she didn't know she could gain weight. You know what I'm talking about? And then she knows, like, oh, you know, and you know, like that cartoon, right? She looks at me, and you go, she go to the guy, you know, that cartoon, little cartoon, remember? And the lady says, honey. Am I bad? And the guy's, he goes, he goes, honey, am I stupid? No, he goes, he ain't gonna answer that question, amen? <laughs> but everything's changing. Her back is getting sore, her, her curvature's changing, adjusting to the weight, her, her the, the, the combined effects of the, of the center of gravity going forward leads to changes, and then what happens, she's off balance now. Because before she was walking normal, now she's off balance, and she's like, whoa, she got a balance, right, ladies? Like, well, that's why they waddle me. Walk, walk, you know, they walk because they got a balance. Right? It, it, I, I feel, thank you, Lord, that I'm a man. <laughs> During the second time menstrual pregnancy, the mother's heart at rest is working 40% higher than normal. It's just, it's just, it's just resting, it's sitting down. Her heart's like, why? Because she's got to keep on the stuff. During the pregnancy, the amount of air moving in and out of the lungs increases by 50%. So people that later, you know, pregnant ladies, I'm tired because you've been working hard. Estrogen going right, your heart beating, you're breathing more, you're getting a workout sitting down. Two weeks before Jesus is born, there's Mary. At this time, the shepherds were in the field. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and they were, and there were shepherds living on the field nearby, keeping watch over the flock at night. And an angel appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that there will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, the Savior has been born to you, he is Christ the Lord. So during this time, they're out there. They're out there. Remaining outdoors under the open sky with their flocks. 
There was this commonly, deep, uh, this commonly done thing to keep the flock from straying. Shepherd would spend the night. So during this whole time, two weeks before, they're all they're out there at night. And things were happening. Remember, they, they were seeing different things in the sky taking place. And I'll, get, I'll, I'll talk more about this later, but you have to understand. They didn't have TV. They didn't have radio. So, so one of the things that was very common to men and women at that time is they would lay and watch the stars. That's how they seen things that we never would see. They had no light like ours, so everything was black, and they could see things, and they would tell things, and there were patterns and different things that we never, ever think about. Why? Because we don't take the time. How many, was the last time we laid down for an hour or two and looked at the stars? We don't do that. The only stars we look at is on uh, on TV, uh, uh, the, the, the Voice, and um, all the other kind of stars. Yeah, so, uh, America's greatest... The shepherds spent the night with their star, with their sheep. Let's keep reading. This will be a sign that you will find a big rapid clothes lying in the manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with angels, praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men who whom His favor rests." When the angels have left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, "Let's go to Bethlehem and see what's happening." which the Lord has told us about. See, the, the shepherds, they were outcasts of the Jewish population. Why would these lowly people be the first to know about the birth of Jesus? Why? Because that's God operates. They always go to the foolish of the world and confound the wine. Huh? These shepherds were the perfect starting point. They kept watch of the sheep, and these sheep were, were the sheep that were used to sacrifice. So their occupation made them equipped to know what sheep required and what a shepherd looked like. First Peter reads like this in verse uh, 1 of chapter 5. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not learning over those who trust you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. So they, these shepherds who understood what a shepherd was, hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Then you have the story happened during this time of the wise men. But the wise men, you have to go back because they're going to converge on what's happening, right, with Mary being pregnant, the shepherds in the field. But they're looking at the stars from a different perspective, and they've been studying the stars for decades. Matthew 2, 1 through 2. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the date of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is this born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, the estimation is that these wise men have been traveling and Jesus has been born and it's about a two-year trek, so it could end up be anywhere from a year to two years. Later, but the wise men arrive in town. Because if you see the, the stories in the car that the wise men are there at the birth of Jesus, no, no. He was already anywhere from one to two years old when the wise men came into town. But they came, they included three classes of people. They had astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. See, in the book of Daniel, the astrologers are called Magi, or they're grouped group with the, the magicians and the sorcerers. 
Chaldeans were advisors to the court of Babylon with responsibility to interpret dreams. These, were, these, had, these people had giftings. The word wise in the original comes from the word hakamim, which actually means medicine. Man. But the Chaldean medicine was a branch of magic. The wise men of magic, you said, well, can't these, it came from Arab, the weakest are right now modern day Iraq, the land of the Chaldeans. Iraq, Iran, if you go there, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, all the stands were the Persian Empire, all the way to India. Right? So the Greek historian Herodias, writing in the 5th century BC, identified the Magi, and this is important, as the case of the Medes. Now, I'm, I'm getting a little deep, but it'll hit you when you're reading your Bible later on. These Medes had a priestly function in the Persian Empire. Wise men. So these wise men, this is a typical description who are adept of magic divination. In the ancient world, they had a different type of knowledge. Uh, uh, and their, their, their interpretation, people looked at them as if, like, from a, of awe, like these people were, like, smart. It's like when you went to a, a, a professor or some, some kind of neurosurgeon or, or, you know, like, well, that guy's smart, you know. Like, what was the guy, um, around the president? Ben, ben Carson. That's a smart dude. He mastered brain surgery and he, he separated twins at the, at the head. And by hand, you know, he, he was a smart guy. So they, they were kind of like that. They were looked at the, like that. Are you with me? Mo, Moses learned of the wisdom of the Egyptians, which came through the wisdom of the teachings of the Magi. Daniel mastered the learning of the Chaldeans. You can read it all in Daniel 1 4 astrology, magic, sorcery, and interpreting dreams. So this story, story stretches our imagination when we're told that something brought them to Jerusalem. These magi, Matthew 2.2 reads, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and come to worship him. Now think about this. We look at this like, how could that be? Here are some magi in the east. Why would they come to worship him? Because these people look at the stars. Now, I've been doing study, I, I, I missed this years ago, but I'm going to give you something here. It blew my mind. It still does. There is, they found in, in, in the 1900s a device in a shipwreck in the Mediterranean Sea. It was called the Anti-Cathera device. And they had this device, they put it in a in, in encasing, they encased it, and they displayed it, and they found other Roman uh, jewels and, and statues and art. But they did not know what this device, but they kept it there. And it wasn't until 1951 that they began to unfold it. And it wasn't until very recently, in the past several decades, that they actually figured out what this device was. Now, the, this device, the time period that it came from was 200 years before Christ. Okay? Now think about this. 200 years before Christ. The device had 50 to 60 gears. Right? Now if you want the mechanic gears. Right? And it was, these gears were in a box the size of a shoebox. And remember, they didn't know they had it until they began to investigate. Many gears, uh, again, I don't want to get too deep, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway were geared based on prime number gears, 19, 127, 53, and 223. 
There's a number of teeth on there every year. This is in this box that was made 200 years before Christ. Are you with me? The gears acted like, this is what they can they figure out now, like a computer program. They initially found that it predicted eclipses of both lunar and solar. Not only did it, 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 it predict, it actually, when I say predict, this device told the future of when lunar and solar eclipses would happen. Not only did it tell the future date, but it also told what color. Amazing device. Over 200 years before Christ, they began to investigate and couldn't figure it out because how they do it, they brought in x-ray machines that were able to x-ray the device and they saw the layers as they made 3D models. Now, the technology today is very unique. And in the models, in these little gears, they found inscriptions, handwritten inscriptions that told them when they were made how. They didn't know this in the 1900s. They know that today. Over 200 years before Christ, Greek mathematicians made a breakthrough in, a, in the 223 prime number month file that predicted the future, the 18-year period, where they understood that these prime numbers, based on the way the sun and everything rolled, could tell the future. After taking the computer and X-ray research, it was determined that this computer was the first created by Greek mathematicians to inform them of movements of the solar system. Why? Because somebody was smart enough to look at the sky and figure it out mathematically how they could tell the future. Now, stay with me. That knowledge landed in the hands of the Arabs or Moors, and then it was taken to the Persian Babylonian astronomers. Thus, these men made the Antithera device. So they found that these men, and who were these men? These were the wise men. So in their device, in their deductions, they were able to predict the future based on the star. They said they saw a star. Now, I said all that just so I could act like I'm smart. Despite all the brilliance, let's bring it home, and computer-like achievement, this device did not make them wise. No. No. What made the wise men or the Magi of Matthew too wise, only two, now listen, only two of the 100 people will ever reach their goal. You have a goal? Two out of 100 reach it. It's amazing statistic when you have a long-term goal. You short-term goal, yeah, but the long-term goal. 23% of people do not even know what they want. Two things that made the Magi wise. They knew what they were going for, and they knew how to get it. They wasn't had all this stuff. They, they knew what they were going for, and they knew how to get it. These ancient computer scientists, pursuing their obligation of the stars, encountered a sign from God and responded to the call. That is why. Because I've seen, I've been talking a long time, I've seen God's call placed on men and women, and they reject it. These wise men who had it all, who deduced the future, lunar and solar eclipse, and there's a reason why lunar and solar eclipse are very important in history, but it's still just too long to get deep into it. Uh, but they respond, they knew what they were going for. Now check this out. 
they have their book, they're reading the story, they know something great is taking place. They really don't know about it, but they hear tales. So, they had to travel 800 miles towards the east. Here they are, they have their device, they know something's going on, they see the stars. These are wise humans. They don't just move because you know, they're emotional. They know what they're doing. So they had to travel 800 miles. Now, the normal walking speed of a camel is five, rather, three miles per hour. Why do And the best way to travel in the desert is by what? Camel. They didn't have flights, but three miles per hour. A working camel will cover 25 miles a day. They had to go 800 miles. 32 days to Bethlehem by camel. Do they know where they were going? Do you know where you're going? So that's the question. Here we are at Christmas. We're celebrating Jesus. We're going to live with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. But you know what? Most people do not know where they're going with God's call in their life. They don't. Oh, I love Jesus. I go to church. Oh, and they want to get involved, and they get involved. But there's so many things going on. They get sidetracked. It's like you're on the freeway. They take you too many off-ramps when you're on the freeway to your calling. You know where you're going. So they knew how to get it. Not only did they know where they were going, they knew how to get it. See, the call of God is very simple. It's just like those camels. It's one step at a time. So we don't want the one step at a time. We want the whole itinerary. Not only do we want the itinerary, we want the budget. And then you have we have conflicting itinerary. We have God's itinerary that we, we want and He'll give you. Then you have your itinerary. Conflicting itineraries. You have your reality of an itinerary and God's imaginary itinerary because most of us, even I, really don't know what God's going to take us again. We do know this. I know this. I may not know, 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 know exactly where He's going to take me, but I know I'm right track. And that's all you really can know because when you're taking only, when you're, your God's will is one step at a time, you can never really know where He's taking you. And so people hate the one step at a time camel movement. They want to see the 3D, 4K television screen image of the call. It doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen that way. One step at a time by camel foot. So in essence, these wise men, who were wealthy by profession, were the smartest of their breed, who had the sciences down, knew they had a sacrifice to get what God wanted them. So their wisdom came not from their knowledge, but from the action that they took. Their wisdom is seen in their sacrifice. Now listen, I've never rode a camel. Anybody ever rode a camel? I rode a horse, never a camel. And a horse was a trip. I don't know, I can't, you know, because these a horse. You know what I mean? You can get going. I was, I was a horrible time, and it, it, something hit, 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 hit the belly, and that horse started right, and I went forward, and I flew. That was a trip. But a horse would get going. A camel. Three miles per hour. With no DVD. You know what I'm saying? They're like, man, three miles per hour. And where are you going? Oh, we see a star. They had a sacrifice. So Joseph had the same dilemma. He was a wise man. 
The quality that Joseph displayed during Mary's pregnancy, I mean, are, are you kidding me? Joseph believed God and he obeyed God. He didn't just believe God. Oh, I believe God. Can you obey? That's the difficult part. See, it's the easy part when you go, oh, I, I obey, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll God. But listen, God always works through man. And that's where the, the collision takes place. And I tell everybody, you know, the way you can avoid God's harm and it's our secret, all you got to do is, is remove me. You get me out of the way, then you can do anything you want. Because you can say, oh, I'm going to listen to God. He's not God. You're right. But I know how God works. That's when it happens. That my pastor laid his hand on me. That funny laid his hand on me. I got here, when I got here in this city, Pastor Sonny laid his hands on me and Nikki Cruz. So what, I don't listen to those guys? No. When I listen to Pastor Sonny and Nikki, I'm listening to God. Because God has given me, me, direction to my leaders. That's happened. So, you have to come to a point. Verse, Luke 2, verse 4 reads, For Joseph also went up to the town now this Miguel to Judah, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the land of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him as an expecting child. Well, and was an expecting child. So here they are. Joseph, been, imagine Joseph. Here he's got a woman who's pregnant from another man. Now, you know, we, we say, well, she was God. But he had to believe, remember? I'm sure Joseph loved God, right? He believed God, but right now, he had a chick who was pregnant. The reality is, wow, some dude messed around with my girl. But the thing about Joseph, he knew what he was going for, and he also knew how to get it. Jay, I believe Joseph, now imagine it was pretty heavy, but Joseph perhaps made one of the greatest sacrifices for any man. Joseph sacrificed his manhood. Come on, fellas. How many of us would have... We, were, we were all would have told Mary, you got to kick rocks. You got to pray to my God. You got to rock. Okay. You know what I mean? But Joseph, no, I'm going to believe you, Mary. I love you. I'm going to believe you. And then God spoke to you. And you know, we've all been spoken to God before. You know how when you get spoken to God, then the next thing you go, to, what's that really God? Do you get a doubt? Does that really happen? Don't you think Mary went to that? Was that really God? Is he getting pregnant? Two weeks ago. Man, God, this, how did this happen? Right? She's still doubting. Two weeks before pregnant. Now, Joseph, now she's pregnant, really pregnant. And could you imagine the, doubt, the doubts he had? And everybody knew that Joseph, that was not Joseph's boy. But what did Joseph do? He sacrificed his manhood. That's ever to me. Mary, on the other side, challenging the challenging assignment that Mary gave this 14-year-old girl. And you don't realize that. She was 14 years old. So not only did, did Mary, I mean, Joseph sacrificed his manhood, he, he, in people's eyes, he was with a little girl. 14 years old. How many of us would want our girl 14 to be pregnant right now? None of us. Well, heck no. You know, what if we look at your daughter and say, oh, Mary did it. It's like, whoa, that'd be heavy, huh? I, yeah, I, maybe I think weird, but like, whoa. Hmm? That's amazing to me. The challenging assignment of a 14-year-old girl. Her faith, her courage. Remember, the week before Christmas, 
Women experiencing the following condition not exercise during pregnancy, according to the American uh, OBGYN. You can't, the, though that too, you, you can't exercise no more. You're too close. Pregnancy induced hypertension or toxemia can go up. Preterm rupture of membrane are, can happen. Preterm labor and previous or current pregnancy. I mean, things could happen that you don't want to happen. Persistent second and third term trimester bleeding. So here she is, two weeks, and Joseph says, God spoke to me, and we're going back to Bethlehem. Her faith, her girl is a challenge. She, her trust in God during the most difficult times is evident. Mary risked much in order to obey God. Her decision to see this through was one of the biggest acts of trust and love for God. Ladies, how many of us or you would travel like that? And, and we're not talking about a car. She was riding on a donkey. Can you imagine being I mean, pregnant? Two weeks. Coming to Bethlehem. That's mind blowing to me. Luke 126. Let's keep reading. I'm almost done. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel said, went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Stop. See, you ever notice? Let me tell you something. Whenever you find favor with God, I thought, uh, favor, yeah, favor always comes, favor always comes through the avenue of trouble. In other words, God wants to give you favor. Say, so you go, oh, I want favor. You want favor? Okay, you got to go through this trouble because the favor is right here. So we think, give me favor. Give me favor. No. He said, you want favor? The favor goes through the trouble and it's right here. So once you pass the test, like I was talking about Pastor James, there's nothing greater than a test of faith. Once you pass the test, favor is the reward. Uh, years ago, I shared, shared with you where, where people were offering me um, another ministry wanted me to go to Texas and start a church and lead the church. And at that time, it was pretty, 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 um, looked pretty good. Church building, church building, house, salary. You said, I don't know what the guy who offered it to me. Right? And I was going to it. I said, oh, man, it's But I, you know what happened? I asked for God's favor. I asked for God's favor. I said, okay. So I went through this test. And I, I rejected it. I went through all kinds of changes. Right? And I remember, I, I were, after that happened, I'm in Chicago, Illinois. A bunch of pastors. 30 pastors in a room. They were smaller than this. We're on a circle. Somebody's there. And I'll never forget. I, I hold on to this. He goes, Pastor Al. I'm like, oh, what do I do now? No, like Sunday. Go. He said, I'm back there. And for all these pastors, that man. Is faithful. That man is loyal. But if I had not passed the test, what would he be saying about that man? See, I paid for favor and I got it. See, she's highly favored. And she had to get on a donkey, pregnant, from someone she never met, never touched, and have to convince her husband to be that everything could be all right. 
then you can get cheaper. This wise man was actually a young girl who sacrificed her reputation. Think about what people were saying about Mary. Oh, yeah, right. God got her pregnant. You whore. Come on now. Do you, you think anybody believed that God got her pregnant? I mean, Joseph had a hard time believing. Do you think anybody really believed that? She had to sacrifice her reputation. Joseph sacrificed her his manhood, the wise men sacrifice their wisdom and follow something. Mary sacrificed her reputation. Luke one thirty eight reads, "I am the Lord's servant." Mary answered, "This is what we all need to say. May it be to me as you have said." Then the angel left her. So here we are in Christmas time. As I close, what's your sacrifice? What are we going to sacrifice? Or should we? I, I, I talk about it. There, there has to be with any kind of relationship, there has to be a sacrifice. Especially what we're talking about, the call of God on people's lives. So it's amazing. The Magi endured a grueling journey for the privilege, now listen, of giving gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Not only did the Magi know where they're going, they were willing to go there, they brought so I was always asking, so how in the heck did Mary and Joseph survive? Well, they got funded by the Magi. They chopped off the most valuable minerals and spices and perfumes of the day. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Joseph endures his journey and sacrifices manhood for the right to raise a boy that was not his. Now listen, I have raised uh, kids that are not mine. And although I love them, there's always that little tinge in them that, oh, you're not my real dad. It takes that little tinge, it takes like 30 years to finally say, you know what, you are my dad. Because always in the back of the mind, I thought I'm a real dad, I thought I'm a real dad, I thought I'm a real dad, I thought I'm a real dad. Huh? And, and it becomes a point of conflict. Hmm? Joseph had to raise a boy was not his. What a sacrifice. Mary traveled during the last trimester of her pregnancy. Two weeks before she was due. Sacrificed her reputation for the privilege of raising her son who she knew was destined to be killed. What a sacrifice. See, because she endured that, that's why she's highly favored. This Christmas, we have to go home and ask ourselves, what are we going to sacrifice for the Lord? Should we? Could we? Will we? See, I enjoy Christmas. I, I love the flights. I do. I love all the, the, the fans. I do. I, I, I have the food. I the food. You know what I mean? The food. I love all the tamales and everything. However, let's not let that drown out the reality of what God is doing in our lives. What is God doing in our lives? What is God doing in our ministry? He will only do to you what you agreed to do. The Magi agreed to take this journey. 
Joseph agreed to believe Mary. Mary agreed to whatever you say, let it happen. I want everybody.